Hey guys, I'm really excited to announce that after 21 short episodes, we have our first sponsor. It's a locally owned and operated nonprofit video rental store called Film is Truth. They have a collection of over 19,000 films in VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. So no matter what platform you watch on, you can find the film you're looking for. They have a little bit of everything, but specialize in foreign, independent, art house, and documentary films, which is super cool because they likely have a selection that you won't be able to find in larger stores or even on some of the larger streaming platforms. This is great for filmmakers especially because you should have a wide background of films to pull from in your own filmmaking. Here at Back to Back Films, we are all about expanding not only our own knowledge, but the knowledge of our listeners, viewing films that we normally wouldn't watch, so this is a really special partnership for us. Film is Truth is open from noon to 9 p.m. every day and can be found here in Bellingham at 1530 Cornwall Avenue, inside the Terra Organica Market. That's convenient for you because you can get your food and your films in one stop. If you are a non-local listener, then you can find them at filmistruth.com or at facebook.com at filmistruth. All right, everyone, enjoy the show. This week's episode of the Back to Back Films podcast. This week we're covering Brick and the Brothers Bloom, starting our second masterclass featuring Ryan Johnson. This is in lead up to The Last Jedi, which I'm sure no one has heard about. Uh, as always, we recommend that you watch the two films we'll be discussing for listening to the episode. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jake. And I'm kind of sick, so, you know, my nose is, I'm pretty sure I sound a little different. <laughs> my nose is kind of stuffy. Um, anyway, so. Uh, it's been a little bit since we recorded. Uh, how you guys doing? Updates? Byron and I did Good. something today, but yeah, Jacob, do you have any updates on your end? Uh, yeah, I just shot another one of those Seahawks Bud Light things, and I'm oh, working on true. a, and that was pretty good. Um, guy, the celebrity was super nice, nice guy, really nice. got along with Who it. Was it? it? Um, oh my gosh, I am totally blanking. Um, it was the ex-goalie of the Sounders. Um, oh, nice. Uh, hang on so a second. So celebrity is like a loose term. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, <laughs> see, Casey, Casey Keller. Okay. Um, so yeah, he, he was the goalie for the Sounders for like a, a long time. And I think he was done in 2012. So he's not like a current, he's not like the current goalie or anything, but he was like such a cool dude. And, um, yeah, it, honestly, like of all the celebrities that I met f- for this thing, like he was the one who I like, there was like this immediate, like connection like it was like I, i'd known nice. him for years like it was really odd i've never had that happen with like a famous ish put uh, nice. famous person before and it was uh it was, i don't know it was really nice I, re- I just i really liked him i thought he was a really good dude so shout out to that did guy you, uh, did you tell him to you know send a send a good word to the other elves i <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. You said his name was Casey Keebler, right? Uh, Casey uh, Keller. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. I'm just, I'm just in the Christmas oh, spirit. Man. He was, he, yeah, he was the ex-goalie of the Sounders. Now he plays for the North Pole uh, Elves. 
And, yeah, that's uh, well. They, I mean, he usually wins because he's he's about twice the height as a goalie, so it's not really fair. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Great well, stats, tis the, though. Tis, tis the season, so I just figured I'd ask, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's cool, though, dude. That sounds like fun. And, you know, yeah, it was great. Nice to be doing work, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and now I'm back nice. to just doing the typical editing and, you know, sitting in my sitting in my basement, my office under the stairs and... Um, you know, just doing doing some Bud Light stuff right now. Doing a little animation for him, and oh couple, sweet, got a couple other things on the docket for Visit Seattle. You know, just typical stuff. Nice, that's yeah. cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Just having the consistent work or any work, you know, is nice for sure. Mm. Um, it's it's cool too that it's like such like big companies that like because you never know. You might just like randomly just come across your own work. You know what I mean? That's kind of oh, cool. Yeah, I uh, that used to happen to me all the time when I was doing Washington's lottery. Like, right. I, I did the like screensaver for those like lottery vending machines that are all around Washington, and I'd like go into like a gas station and, um, you know, to like buy some beer or you know whatever snacks or something, and I'd look over and I'd see like this little animated piece that I put together like in my bedroom like full screen like on the vending machine and it was just like really cool nice. to, yeah to like see it i'm like oh this is this is my thing that i did that's gotta be so trippy because like you know it's one of those things that when you're there in the market or whatever like you don't think of it you don't think about the fact that someone has like really like done, done that. that yeah someone know? had to put in the work yeah. to actually make that thing. so that's that's really cool that like that you get to kind of almost interact with your own art a little bit in like a real world setting, you know, that's kind of just unique, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's like, I can't imagine what it would be like to be the lady that designed all the like street signs, like oh, just yeah. to be driving oh, yeah. around and you're like, yeah. I designed that, you know, it's kind of <laughs> weird. Yeah. But that's, that's really cool though. Yeah. It's just, it's super weird. Yeah. It's just super weird, but it's nice. I like it. I wish nice. it would happen more often. It's funny. Uh, I I guess for me this last uh, weekend I went to Vancouver with my brother. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and his uh, I guess I could say girlfriend, um, for lack friend. of a better lady friend, <laughs> um, lady of the evening, lady of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, so that was kind of cool when we went to Vancouver and um, I filmed with my friend Charlie Monroe, who I've worked with on a couple different projects um, and filmed with her. This is like maybe the fourth or fifth time I filmed with her. Unfortunately, all the other things that I've done with her, I've just, I'm not like really allowed isn't the correct term, but I'm not like supposed to like release it. Like it's not really for public consumption. That sounds really kind of sketchy, but it's like they were, <laughs> it was like, 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 they, like it was just for little things that, that I'm one currently still working on or two like that just never really happened like nothing came from it you know um, yeah you like can't do anything with the footage sort of a thing yeah or I can I just have to wait for the perfect time you know almost um why do you have to wait well uh, so there was like one one time I filmed that there it was just for tests I had gotten like the new camera and everything and I just wanted to like just film random things with her like walking down the street and just you know stuff like that just that it's basically like a camera test but just with like a cool 
model that I could just like have fun with while we were filming. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. um, the, cause she's just down to do anything. So like, like she's just, I don't know. It was really cool. We just like went around the, the, a couple times, like, I guess in April, like we went and filmed and like, we went to this really cool boardwalk during sunset, you know, magic hour and filmed her hmm. against the Vancouver skyline, you know, with these clouds and the, the, the colors and everything. And then, we went to her boyfriend's like uh, apartment complex, and they have this like crazy big ass like mirrored like room that you could rent out. So we like rented out the room and like filmed her like pole dancing and stuff, you know, just like just just random stuff, just to mess with the camera and kind of get a feel for uh, you know movement and you know just doing random stuff. So, but this this weekend, this last weekend. I kind of just wanted to just do something super raw, and I haven't done something like that in a long time. The last couple of projects I've done, I've used like the Ronin, and you know, really tried to focus on making super smooth, super steady shots, and making it just very kind of cinematic in that sense. Um, but I wanted to do something different and just shoot something completely in 4K yet again, and but yet do something super like just all handheld, you know. Mm-hmm very like kinetic or uh, that might not be the correct word but just something super raw um so i just stripped down my camera and basically just did this handheld thing and i purposefully like took the handle off of the camera and everything so i was actually holding the camera in a really weird way which gives the footage just kind of weird like shake and like angle to it um and I yeah I just filmed like for I don't know six hours with her in this really cool Airbnb and then like her boyfriend and his friend came over and they played these like thugs and we just kind of like filmed throughout the night through Vancouver and um, just got some really cool night footage and I don't know it was really pretty fun I hadn't done like a project where like I had because I written I had written a script and I had like a shot list and I just kind of went through the shot list and it was just very like kind of free form. Hmm. and uh nothing specific like i just wanted to kind of focus and do stuff like in the moment um so it was just kind of, that was my kind of like raw just kind of like thing and i have a little short film out of it like i'm i'm still editing it and everything um so i'm kind of curious to see how that's going to turn out but it was kind of just a cool little experiment and i haven't done something that like freeform in a long time so it, it felt kind of really good to just kind of get that off your chest, you oh, know, God just damn. to do something, you know? Sorry, I bumped this. Hmm. But yeah, so that was my weekend. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we just shot a th- interview, couple of interviews today, one with the president of Western, so that was cool. That was really cool. Um, it's pretty short. It's pretty basic, you know, kind of what I expected it to be. Um, but it was cool just to, you know, I'm going to be able to have his voice in the video that I'm creating for them, so. Yeah, Keith did a good job, like, interviewing him. Like, you know, it was, we only had a limited time with him, so Keith had to be very, like, um, kind of on the point, you know, very, like, direct. Um, yeah, you couldn't able... converse as much as I'd like. Yeah, like, the con- but I think the conversing was good, that what you did, because like, you, like, you could tell that, people were on a schedule yet you were able to to get him to deliver yeah what he needed to deliver for the video which is good you know because like i'm sure some people would probably just get flustered and, and 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 you know not really be able to get 
maybe yeah. a good answer from him. But you know, he, I, you know, he was prepared a little bit too. So I think he was able to say kind of the what he needed to say. You know, like, yeah, from his position right. and who he is at Western, you know, he was able to say essentially all that he could say about it. Yeah, I think. Yeah. You know, there's not much more. Yeah, because he's not in like the nitty gritty of right. the details of how right. it all goes down. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I don't know what his. I mean, so many events, <clears throat> excuse me, happen on campus that it's just he can't keep track of everything, and you know he's so busy that I don't, I yeah. doubt he goes to or, or knows about too yeah. many things happening. You know, his like he said, his he said this himself that his view is more broad, and he just doesn't get the details. You know, which is true. It is kind of cool that he acknowledges that too on video. I mean, that kind of that might actually be kind of something cool that could be in the movie, you know, or the video too, depending on like what you want. But totally, it's. it's I don't know. Yeah, I think it went really well. Um, and then the other interview went really well, too, I think. Yeah, we were able to do it in the Board of Trustees room, so that was nice. Yeah. Was nice, nice. Was it totally too. legit looking? Yeah, it was nice looking. We kind of nice. did it in the corner of, a, of the room, though, just because it was the best place, I, I thought, to, like, really stage yeah. people. Um, but it looked. I think it looked nice. It's so funny that room brings, like, a lot of memories to me because, like, working at western like i've cleaned that room like literally hundreds of times like you know just vacuuming it and and, and stuff like that and there was a flood when i was a student worker there was a flood that happened on fourth floor and it ran down to third floor where the board of trustees room is and the carpet there is super delicate because there's the blue um that runs into the white and when it got wet, it was leaving blue dye Ooh. into the white portion. Oh, God. So, like, we had to do major, major, like, cl- like carpet cleanup and stuff. So this room just kind of has all these weird memories of, like, my time at Western as a student worker and everything <laughs> uh, into it. So it was kind of weird to, like, have done all that and then, then now, like, film there. Mm. It was kind of cool. <laughs> nice little yeah. full it's circle. A, yeah, it's nice. but it's a nice. It's an, it's a super nice room. So is that Sick. the room that's? It's like old main third floor. Yep. Is that facing, what it is? And yeah, it's facing the, like the water. Or it's like facing it like, the view. It looks over the courtyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically, right in the middle of the. Uh, it's pretty much like right above the main entrance. Yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah. I when I was working the same job as you, Byron, I was cleaning old man we clean that room like once a week mm-hmm. it, was, it was like the coolest room in there yeah yeah definitely i always wanted yeah. to like take pens from there i was like oh you know yeah yeah that solarium that and the solarium are kind of the two like yeah the solarium like legit looking rooms in old main i mean i guess the president's office is actually maybe the nicest room but oh yeah doesn't he probably doesn't have anybody film there but that's a nice room it's the same carpet too yeah, yeah, that that room is nice. Um, I've I've cleaned that too. Yeah, I, fe- yeah. <laughs> I felt so cool. I wanted to like leave a note, you know, like, hey, thanks, man. Yo, what's up? Bring K Mike back, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I should have slipped we in here. Let's talk that. about K Mike. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Let's uh, roll into Mr. Ryan Johnson. Our topic of this week and next week as we lead up to the Last Jedi. Uh, which means I need to watch Force Awakens. Um, oh shit! You still haven't seen I that. I still haven't seen that. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. actually that's actually amazing. <laughs> it's been a while since I've actually seen Empire and uh, the Return too. Sweet. Uh, so. you're fine. You're fine. You know, I don't. No, I, I know. I know those aren't connected. I mean, they're connected 
chronologically, but like I just haven't seen those in a while. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. the, I watched I watched A New Hope years ago again, but I just haven't Luke, watched them. You're our only hope. And that, that's not even <laughs> what he says. She does she say she doesn't say Luke though, right? She just says you're no, Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan Kenobi. That's it. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. um, she doesn't she doesn't know Luke. That's right. Right. Yeah. She doesn't um, have a brother. <laughs> That's why they make out. <laughs> um, so, our main topic this week is Ryan Johnson. Uh, the first film we're going to talk about is his first film, which is Brick, made in 2005. Uh, basic little summary here. Teenage loner pushes his way into the underworld of a high school crime ring to investigate the disappearance of his ex-girlfriend. The uh, film was written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Nora Zahetner, Lucas Haas, uh, Noah Fle- Fleiss, Matt O'Leary, and Emily DeRaven. Uh, Brick is Ryan Johnson's debut film. Like I said, uh, most of the film was shot in and around San Clemente, California, where he grew up. Uh, the high school was the high school he went to, and the tunnel is a real place near the high school. Uh, oh, and the coffee shop is is, is uh, real as well, although it is abandoned now. What about Pi Oh My? That's a coffee shop. I'm oh, talking okay, about. Yeah. okay, okay. It's abandoned now, apparently. Oh, uh, wow. A lot of the places hmm. are real. Um, the Pins Basement was a set that they built, but the kitchen and dining area where they do some have some discussion. Uh, that area is still is real, and is still around, and it's called Blarney Castle Bed and Breakfast where oh. they shot that. Um, so the, a lot of the street signs are all still there. The phone booth he used was a prop that they put in, oh, um, wow. so that doesn't exist. But um, <laughs> a lot of the stuff for the film, since it was filmed, you know, on on location, still exists. I wonder how much that cost. The phone um, booth? I don't yeah. know. That's a good question. I feel like it can't be that hard to or that yeah. expensive to make a phone booth. Yeah. Yeah. In um, 2005, they were actually still kind of around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, two big influences on this film, which I think are pretty obvious now that you look at them. You guys want to guess one of them? At least one of them? I know you can get it. Uh, I would just say, like, spaghetti westerns in general for That's, this. That, uh, that is one. That Like, oh, overall, man. the spaghetti western is, a, is an influence. But there's two films. Oh, or God. one's a series and one's a film. Oh. I, oh. I bet oh. you can guess the film. Oh. Uh, Some kind of film noir yeah. Oh, I read something about Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character based being based on an anime. Yep. Is it that anime? Is it the same one? Probably. Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Oh. His his walk and like you know the style the of his style and and the yeah. style of the film overall. Cowboy Bebop. The other one is Chinatown, which I think is kind of obvious. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah, Chinatown. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't actually. Now that you say that, I. You kind of yeah, feel the vibe, right? That's true, because I love yeah. Chinatown. Chinatown yeah. is awesome. Yeah, I can see oh. Chinatown in here for sure. Absolutely. Uh, the film is important. Wow. So, uh, well, I kinda, actually, I don't want to touch on this later. So, when we touch on kind of things that we kind of learned. Um, let me see here. So, um, this film was made on a shoestring budget of about $450,000, which is quite a bit for your first film, yeah. but also... Not a lot. Um, and he also caught Joseph Gordon-Levitt before he took off and became an expensive commodity for films. Um, but with a budget like that, you know, making a phone booth is pretty yeah. small compared to the rest of it. Sure. 
Uh, this budget took about six years to secure, so he actually started writing this film um, in 97 or so. Um, and the film went on to become a financial and critical success. It actually took home somewhere in the couple of million. Oh, wow. Um, in box office, so three point three 3.9 million. Yep. Not bad. That's a great return. Yeah. Um, and it premiered at Sundance. It, it feels like a Sundance movie. It totally. really does. Like, I could tell that that festival was the perfect fit for this movie. Totally. Like, yeah. It, it, it even won the special jury prize of for originality of vision. Absolutely. Which is yeah. totally makes sense to me. Like yeah, of all definitely. things that kind of stand out with this movie, it's kind of like how it blends high school with like neo noir with spaghetti Western, you know, like how totally. do you combine those things? It's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was reading in an er, yeah in an interview he was saying he basically wanted to make a movie. He took what he did was he just took the tro- general tropes of noir mystery and applied it to a high school. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can see it with Brother, Brothers Bloom where he took the tropes of con men and just you know like yeah. he's a very very genre filmmaker, um, for sure. Um, the other thing too is if you look at his age, it's interesting. So he got. Brick was released when he was 32, but he was writing it prior to that. So he was actually about 26 when he conceived. Hey, that's our age. idea. But it's actually interesting. You know, 32 is a little bit kind of later on. You know, you, you get some of the the prodigy types, you know, Cameron and whatnot, who were really young. Um, but 32, you know, like... I mean, Tarantino was 31, right? 30, 31. Oh, was he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's about... That's kind of a good age, yeah, I guess, to kind yeah. of get in, yeah. get in and do it. Um, there, there are like prodigies, but I mean, I feel like thirty-two is still like pretty young. I mean the yeah. the the director Damien Chaz Chazelle, who did La La Land and um, Whiplash, Whiplash, he was the youngest director to win an Oscar, and I think he won it at the age of thirty-two. Wow! So, and then I think Barry Jenkins with Moonlight, I think he's like thirty something odd something yeah. too, right? Yeah. yeah. So, 30, so they're 30. both like pretty young guys. Yeah. And then I think um, even like David Lynch. I mean, when Eraserhead came out, he I think he was in his thirties or maybe even mid thirties um, when Eraserhead came out. I think that's pretty so, cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's never too late, I guess, to to make your film. Um, yeah. So. Our second film is The Brothers Bloom, made in 2008. Uh, the Brothers Bloom are the best con men in the world, swindling millionaires with complex scenarios of lust and intrigue. Now they decided to take on the last job, showing a beautiful and eccentric heiress the time of her life with a romantic adventure that takes them around the world. Uh, it was written and directed by Johnson, stars Adrian Brody, Mark Ruffalo, Rinko Kikuchi, and Rachel Wise. The film was shot in a variety of places around Europe, including Romania, Serbia, Greece, and Montenegro. Um, Rachel Wise had to do a ton of work in preparation for this film. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a two-week period, she had to learn enough banjo, guitar, violin, piano, juggling, breakdancing, skateboarding, giraffe unicycle, card tricks, and a few other things um, to look as if she knew how to do all of those things. And I guess uh, Adrian Brody helped the teacher how to skateboard and rap because I guess he's a pretty good skateboarder. Um, and a good rapper, apparently. <laughs> and apparently a good rapper. Uh, and the card trick that was featured in one take, so there's a specific scene where they're yeah. at the, sitting at the table, and that card trick that was done in one take took her over a month to learn and 11 takes to accomplish, and the shot was not enhanced in any way. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. 
Um, so there's also some cameos from uh, from Brick. Some of the actors show up. Yeah, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Lucas Haas, Norza Hetner, and Noah Segan all appear in the bar scene. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I couldn't see where Luke. So Lucas Haas, he's the pin. I couldn't see where he was at. I see him here. Um, but there were some people who pointed out Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and he's he's funny because he just stands there. Yeah, yeah. Like Johnson <laughs> just had him stand there like a dork and just drink. <laughs> uh, and then obviously Norza Hetner and Noah Segan actually have speaking roles. Um, you know they're cameos, but they're they're still characters. Um, film was made on a budget of twenty million, and it was a financial flop, only making it back about five point five, um, and it was only modestly received. A lot of people thought it kind of dragged towards the end, and is I read some things that said they thought you know kind of padding is too, too many filmmaking techniques and too much back padding, you know, on Ryan's part. Um, but yeah, um, I don't have too much to say about Ryan Johnson specifically this time around, so I'll cover more of that next week. Um, but like I said, he grew up in San Clemente. Um, he started making short films in high school and continued to do so throughout college. Uh, Thirty Two and Brick was released, and it's pretty obvious when you really break it down. But all of his films are pretty heavily influenced by novels. Um, although he does show actors' films that he thinks are relevant to the project but he never if you look look at his stuff he never shows actors films that are similar to what they're making he he always shows them films that are like opposite oh interesting so like in the case of like noir like he didn't show them like noir films he showed them like you know just comedy films or something like this to, to get different styles of character as opposed to creating this noir trope which it is a noir trope film, but he was trying to, like, diversify it, I guess. Um, Brick is pretty obviously influenced by the Maltese Falcon, and he even says that. Uh, there's even lines pulled directly out of the Maltese Falcon that he quotes, has characters say as quotes. Um, and also the birds thing. The there's birds. There's a lot of there's birds. There's a lot of birds and a lot yeah. of feet yeah. mm-hmm. um, in this film. Um, and he they he's he's been asked about that and kind of pokes fun at that um but yeah uh we can get into talking about each film um kind of covered about all i wanted to cover cover at least this week and then get more in depth with it next week um yeah i don't know which one do you guys want to talk about first let's do brick let's do brick let's do it in order oh no sorry i meant let's do a whole brick of heroin and then, oh. and then let's talk about Brothers Bloom. Let's do a whole brick of heroin and see if we live through it. Yes. <laughs> um, we talk about the garbage bag. So the editing in Brick, yeah, I think, is yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. And the garbage bag specifically. Yeah. So how they pulled that off was... Um, pulled it off. They actually literally pulled it <laughs> off the camera, yeah, and did everything in reverse. And then there's like there's like sort of... I don't know what you'd call it, like smash, smash zooms or smash. Yeah. Uh, that or the camera like goes really quick into someone or like the cars when the cars drive right up to the camera. Yeah. yeah. All of that, including the trash bag, are all done in reverse. Uh, so what happened was like the trash bag. He pulled it off the camera, and then in the scene with Gordon Levitt, when it cuts, to, it's like he pulls the trash bag over him, so that when you do the cut, the cut is hidden between the two poles. Yeah. So it looks like it got pulled over. Um, but there's also apparently some swipe, like, there's some, 
I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I noticed this this time around, where um, the characters with what they're saying on screen or what the way their lips are moving doesn't match up to the audio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's on purpose. Oh, interesting. It's like transitioning out of the scene. So, like, he'll start saying things... And I, I saw this. I remember this specifically when he's talking to Brain. It's like he's like talking to Brain, and he's kind of doing this back and forth thing. And then you notice him talking, and then it just like the line just carry you to the next scene. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, the why, editing is just kind of wonky. Why would is that a something that was a thing in like spaghetti westerns or? In the anime that this is like his character is based on, or is that just like a weird stylistic choice? It is kind of funny because I mean, both the anime and the spaghetti westerns. I mean, spaghetti westerns are infamously, you know, dubbed terribly. Oh yeah, because they were filmed, you know, obviously in Italian or um, in Italian and some Spanish or just (laughs) Spanish. And then, like, in case of, you know, the Dollars trilogy with Clint Eastwood, they filmed it in um, English and Italian and Spanish, all three languages, and then they would just, like, overdub it uh, completely for American audiences or whatever. And, like, so the mouth movements are, like, definitely not the same as what you're hearing. Um, And then same with the, the anime, you know, it's just animated, you know, and then with the english dub it's not it's not the same so that's kind of actually a unique thing you know because i i think he, i think I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure like you said that it was more than just a stylistic choice or homage to you know <laughs> i don't think it was an homage necessarily to anything yeah. i think it was just sort of something that he kind of had seen before or just wanted to test out. Um, it says certain edits were also introduced to the film to time footage to different dialogue, adding certain information and leaving other information out. Yeah. I mean, being a mystery, it's all about a play of information, yeah. right? Like, when do you get it? When do you not get it? How do you receive it? Stuff like that. Sure. There um, was, this is kind of related. I think there was like the, the scene too at the beginning where he's looking at the body of the ex um, girlfriend and how his eye line isn't the same as the yeah, I remember reading point of view yep. that you're actually seeing as his yep. uh, point of view. Like wh- where the camera is positioned looking at the body as if it's him looking and then it cuts to him looking, but it's actually not where the camera was. And it actually just gives you subconsciously this like off feeling yeah um, what they were saying was what it what its intention is is that he's having a hard time putting together the scene and and, comp- and coming to terms with it so he's like it's to show him like he's essentially seeing her in pieces to yeah. try and process what's happening yeah he's in shock almost yeah, yeah. so what huh. it is is like what the heck are you doing man <laughs> me i can hear, yeah we can hear all the clicking <laughs> like whatever oh. Sorry, I'm totally playing with the microphone. My bad. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, basically, it's like he'll do... He, you don't see his eyes move, so he's right. not looking at any particular thing. But And then what, what it does is when they cut to a, uh, a shot of her, like her hand, it's upside down from where he would actually be looking, as if yeah. you were looking at her from the tunnel and not from his perspective. Yeah. So it adds this weird sort of like, you get what's going on, like you understand it's an eyeline match, but it's not correct. 
It's hmm. weird. I actually did something similar um, in my last film, but I didn't. I hadn't seen Brick yet, but I did. I just did it just to throw it off, just to throw yeah, do off something, yeah. like some weird where uh, Jasmine's character looks down um, at the snake that's all cut up and bloody in the cemetery, but when you see the snake in its close up, it's actually the camera is view- filming it the From other the way other side yeah. um yeah yeah so i don't know hmm. that's kind of cool but i i picked up on that and then when i was reading about the film it it definitely made it more apparent to me it was like oh yeah. wow that was actually like a legit thing that he actually thought about um, and it can be viewed as a mistake but i think it was actually intentional yeah yeah Which i love i love those things that could be taken as mistakes that are actually intentional i love those type of totally. things you know I know Tarantino does that too, where he'll put in like a sound effect or something that doesn't quite match, but it's there. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. totally. Um, I also like this too, and so this is the first time viewing for my girlfriend, and she pointed this out actually, and she was like, "So there's a theory out there that the brain only exists in Brendan's mind." Oh, and she kind of asked that when the movie was over too, and there's one shot in particular that kind of alludes to this. Um, and it's when he's on the field at the end, and he's he's talking to um, I can't remember her name in the in the film. Um, oh, uh, the femme fatale, essentially. Right. Uh, yeah. He's talking to her, and she walks away. It cuts to like a close up of Brendan, and from behind his head, the brain walks out, and then the brain. He's like, "Thanks, brain. You know, whatever. Like, you know, take thanks for your help. Take it easy. Whatever." And the brain walks behind his head, but you don't see him walk off the screen. You just see him yeah. walk behind uh, his head. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was an interesting, like, hmm. He's, he's, I don't think he exists in his head because I think the brain physically does things. But, like, I could see how, you know, yeah. that theory. There's that scene in the library where he's just, like, at his desk with the light on and it's like super late <laughs> yeah. at night and it just seems kind of like it, it seems kind of like why would anybody be yeah. doing that almost but I yeah. think yeah, like you said I think maybe the character it, he seems kind of like a a savant or something he's where, totally yeah, you know, yeah. Like he's, yeah yeah so that it fits and same with just him you know when they're talking behind these this you know, semi-derelict buildings, you know? Yeah, the brain just got, got a spot where he Yeah, he's just, like, hanging out. out with all of his shit, you know? Right. I, which is kind of cool, because it also kind of makes him more of, like, this weird, interesting enigma. I mean, I guess with the name The Brain, I, it, it fits. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. There, I, I think this theory is interesting. I'd heard this before, uh, but I think there's... For me to like love a fan theory, I it, like it needs to like kind of change the movie a little bit for me. And the brain is like so, like to, that it wouldn't be a surprising thing to me if that if this were true, you know, or if it were false, you know, it, like it doesn't really like change the movie for me at all. That's if, true. If it were so, like, I think it's kind of neat that people thought of it, but at the same time, it's like this isn't really changing like how I 
look at the movie. So so it's not really like one of my favorite theories out there. But I, I still think it's fascinating. Just just because of that last shot, what we talked about, how he comes in and out of like Joseph Gordon Levitt's brain, like in that the shot. That is a weird shot. It's weird. It's weird. It's an odd shot. But there's a lot of odd shots in this. So I I I felt like it was like commonplace for the film but if it like started with this shot then to me that reads totally di- like if the film starts with the shot just like this where the brain yeah. comes out then it's then the movie's telling me hey this is uh this is what it is but to like have it at the end as kind of like a add on after a bunch of cool funky shots that are in this movie like the shot of the fucking um fan like on the ceiling you know there's all these like cool shots and it's like well totally. I'm I'm not sure if that's relevant here, you know. Yeah, I don't think it changes anything at all, but I think it's an interesting little thought. And, like, to frame that scene, that shot in the way it is and then have it play out like that, and just to have Brain appear again one last time at the end is just kind of an odd, interesting choice. And I think... I mean, it was intention. It was totally intentional, obviously. Uh, what What his actual intention was with that is up for debate. I don't think he'll ever say... I don't even if he remembers. I, I could, I could, I, I could say um, that having the brain at the end. So, like, in, instead of ending on the note where, gosh, that woman, the femme fatale, uh, walks away, and just have him kind of looking at her, he needs to like bounce off of someone for his thoughts. And and I think the most important scene or part of that is when he lies. Laura about Laura yeah thank you oh he lies about what uh Laura whispered in his ear yeah totally you know like I think that's like important that we know that um especially after hearing about his uh potentially his son uh or unborn child uh dying with um the lady from the last, whatever her name, whatever her name is. Uh, <laughs> what's her name? Oh, she is in Lost, huh? Um, Emily. Yeah. Emily, yeah. Emily Conchlu. Conchlu. Costitch. Yeah, Costitch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think we need that scene where we get that from him. But then we also need, like, the wrap up. Like, I think ending with just Laura would be bad. Like, we need to kind of go back and, like, revisit and close close it like i think that's just like pretty standard practice filmmaking you'll never guess what i wanted from this movie a uh, kid dying no Oops. <laughs> <laughs> keith is closer no uh, ryan johnson cameo no no some George joseph gordon levitt peen no no <laughs> hey buddy <laughs> go see don john <laughs> yeah that's true don john that's pretty good um actually the person that, yeah okay so <laughs> the character that i actually wanted to see more of for some weird reason <laughs> was uh kara <laughs> kara yeah the, yeah. the, was, it, the, was that the, the uh, yeah the uh, you gosh, know the actor talking, lady? You know who I'm talking. Yeah, about. yeah. <laughs> oh, because of the because of the leather that she's dressed. God damn it! Because <laughs> of the leather. <laughs> no, 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 I, mean, I knew it. Was, it it was kind of she. It's kind of an interesting relationship though, because like she hints that they had maybe had like a thing. You know, which oh, I don't yeah. get. Which okay, in the whole span of the movie and the timeline of the movie, like. 
Is she's okay. She's an, she's a student. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, oh, are you pal? Are you uh, you're going for freshman again or whatever? And yeah. She's like, you're a freshman once. So are you just like a six year high school student? Like, like you don't you don't know how old he is, right? You don't right, know but what he could year be like a so- he could be a sophomore. I I read sophomore throughout this entire movie. But then, so how she seems like she'd be a senior. This like yeah, she'd be a senior. she has to be older than him, right? And, and he cannot be a senior. So I but was, she's I was, there. Yeah. So she would have to have at least been a junior when they thinking, were together. I was thinking that she was a senior now. And that he's a junior. I was reading him as a junior because he's a junior detective. So that means she was a sophomore when she was doing her <laughs> as a junior detective. detective. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm God, that's I'm way better than anything I could put together. Uh, that's um, great. So that means she was a sophomore when she was doing her like weird, like, you know, dominatrix thing she's got going on or whatever. Dude, like, well, here's, here's, why, here's why I think she's a senior is because, or why... Levitt is a sophomore is because um, he's still bitter about it um, about like the whole freshman thing so you know if they dated when they when he was a freshman this is like the next year coming kind of hot off of that but like that one year difference isn't enough to like create that weird relationship like the like like a sophomore and a junior and having her I'm sorry a like a freshman and a sophomore and having that dominant relationship where like going after like the young guys like that's only a one year gap that's like not weird enough it's, you know I, I don't know it might be weird enough in high school though I think after high school it's not that weird but in high school you know so they're making it sound like it was a so. lot of time in between but it uh, really wasn't a lot of time in between maybe yeah cause you know it's like when you're younger like time seems to go longer than it's everybody. very important yeah. yeah like your every year is very important yeah, it's, that gotta make sense. But also, too, what's weird about it is her character actually changed how I viewed him. Yeah, it's at, it's it's from the very beginning of the movie that you realize this, and you're like, oh, he's not just some like geeky nerdy kid that's unliked in school. Like he, you know, he's he at least at one point was with this kind of you know with her like, quote unquote, but as like a you know like he was under her under her thumb or right or like. yeah yeah but at the same time like that gives him some sort of like w- interesting like credence at least like it, within like what you would maybe quote like the male like um locker room you know what i mean yeah like so, so it's i don't know it's interesting because you, then you get that whole thing with the the football star good dude that's always asking him, Brad like, what do you do? yeah you know like what are <laughs> yeah. you doing here you know um and but you can tell that he doesn't quite fit into like that guy's mold um yet i don't know he's able to his character is able to fluctuate in these different cliques at school which is kind of unique and kind of cool and you get that feeling right away which is kind of a cool um that's kind of how detectives are in these yeah. types of stories, though. They just kind of flow, which is unique because it's out. like it's typical for the the mystery genre. Yet it's untypical for the the, the troubled teenager in high school. Totally, um, yeah. yeah. So the way that Ryan Johnson was able to kind of combine those and make it unique was actually really cool because like it it works. It works perfectly well um, right in this script because um, we've seen like a, a lot of times like the the nerdy 
you know, like look at just like Stranger Things, you know, or or the new movie It, or you know Stephen King, right? Like we've seen a a, a, a lot the young kid who doesn't fit in who's trying to solve a mystery, you know. Yeah. But here's yeah. kind of like the what what you're saying is the the opposite of that, you know. Here's a character who can go anywhere and he's trying to solve a mystery, and it kind of heightens it a little bit. And it does. I think yeah. it it allows it to be a little more. Uh, Gosh, not not real, but um, maybe more violent. Like you're able to like dive into more violent territory because of that. Yeah. Oh, I, totally. Yeah. yeah. For, for being high schoolers, like this movie is so adult. You know. Yeah. Sex, drugs, violence, like the whole nine yards. Yeah. Which, which again, I think <laughs> is important because I think maybe one of the reasons why the film was successful too was like, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, like you you do talk about adult shit. You may not actually have, like, the adult mindset coming into what you're necessarily talking about, yet you're talking about adult shit. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't necessarily have the experience behind it, but, like, you definitely... You start to deal with it. You start to deal with it. So it's kind of cool to see these characters, like, having to do with this adult stuff. Um, and I think a lot of people don't want to see that. They, they're afraid. Like, oh, my God. Like, my baby girl or my baby boy, he's in high school and he's talking about these adult things. And this movie, it's like, in a way, like, I could see maybe a parent watching it and it'd be kind of like a horror show in a, in, in yeah, a sense of like, totally. well, fuck. Like, this, I mean, it has kind of this, like, twins peaky-ish kind of, like, heightened, surreal slash almost otherworldly uh, feel to it because again you know the Twin Peaks it hap- you know it it's basically revolving around these high schoolers that are dealing with trauma and this interesting mysterious event which you know in this film is, you know similar thing and even down to the fact that the main character one of the main characters uh, the, the, the police officer in Twin Peaks you know his favorite thing is coffee and pie mm-hmm. and then there's yeah. even a Co- oh know, that's right there's a like a reference to it yeah coffee so there, there's pie, definitely oh a pie oh my thing nice. reference to that um, so I know that that was something that I'm sure Ryan Johnson you know knew oh yeah and did very you know consciously um, so he's tapping into this kind of like other genre which is you know the teenagers a little above or over their head in these adult themes and then yet having to cope with how like their innocence gets lost totally yeah Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool um so here's an interesting little tidbit that i didn't know about until just now the vp the principal oh uh i'm curious now guess what prior movie he acted in before this don't say don't say Keith or not Keith uh uh we need to talk about Kevin no um <laughs> the one with the weird lacrosse dude in it um the weird lacrosse dude the the, the thrills giving one that we did oh uh, no 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 oh, okay. we oh, haven't talked about this the mime yet. the mime guy the, he was actually the mime guy. He was the mime. I knew it. He's actually a short white guy in disguise. Wow. So we have talked. We haven't talked about this film on the podcast. We will, but eventually. This is a film that we've all. This is a film, and it's a it's a well known film. And he's in it. I think seventies. And he's like he's in it. He's, he's the main is person. It, is it? He's a, the main person in it. I think seventies. Oh. Give us a hint. 
I can't. Uh, um, a director. Like, like, like it's like it's like well known. He's the actor. It's very well known. <clears throat> it's a one word title. Tax, taxi driver. No. <laughs> one word title. What about taxi? Uh, no. Okay, seventies. Think about who he is. He has to be Jaws. No, you're getting closer. He, actually, he's African American, though, right? Yeah. And okay, seventies. Is it so a Spielberg? It, no. And it's got so he's got to be young in this. Yeah, movie. totally. Uh, he's in his thirties, like really early thirties. Oh, oh, I see. So thirties in the in the this movie I'm talking in about. the seventies. Oh my! You God. know it, dude. It's you Fuck. know it. This is really going to. This is okay. Gonna here's really... my other hint. Samuel L. L. Jackson also played this character. Oh no, Shaft. Are he you was John Shaft, me? dude. He was Shaft. Yeah. See, I told you you'd know it once he said it. He was Shaft. How ridiculous is that? So, for the listeners who don't know, definitely not me. What are you guys talking about? Shaft is a very famous black exploitation film what? in the seventies. He was the titular character, John Shaft. He was Shaft. Yeah, he was wow. Shaft. He was also in one other film, but it was more of a smaller part. And I don't know if you guys will guess it. Uh, it came out in the nineties. I think he was a he was like a cop or something. Holy fuck, though. Yeah, I know. That blows my mind. Isn't that crazy? Like, and then he's in Brick, just like playing a very, very small role in Brick. It was like a fucking cameo. Yeah, almost. You know, I mean, Shaft did a cameo. Johnson knew about him. There's no way he didn't know who he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, But he also was in another film, a big film, and we haven't talked about it yet. (laughs) <laughs> Batman Forever. <laughs> we haven't talked about it yet. Um, um, and it is was it like is it like a Hollywoodish kind of movie or like a oh yeah oh yeah um, like Speed or some shit like that. Getting close. What he played year? a character ninety five. Ninety five. He oh. played a character named Talbot. And I don't know if he actually Talbot. says his name in the film or not. It's like Die. Uh, that might confuse it. Die Hard more. or some shit. No. Uh, it is a it is a murder mystery film. It is a very very well known murder mystery film. Uh, um, not the usual suspects, eh? You're getting close. Uh, you're getting close, actually. Uh, um, an actor from Usual Suspects in this film. It's not seven. It no. is seven. Is it seven? He plays Whoa. a small okay. part in seven. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. So this guy's this guy's been around. This guy has uh, Richard Roundtree. Of course he's been around, man. He's a fucking he's fucking he's shaft. fucking shaft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's shaft. He's been Richard Roundtree. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, guy. that's crazy that he's fucking Shaft. He's Shaft, dude. And dude, that was his third. That's a good movie, man. Shaft. That was his third film was Shaft. Wow. Yeah. Dude, Shaft is good. Dude, Jacob, you have to see, man. You have to see Shaft. So he was Shaft in Africa. Nah, Shaft. I think I'll see. Uh, uh, I'll see uh, Shaft's big score. That looks pretty good. I'll skip the first one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. He was in Chips, the TV series, Chips. the old one. Um, oh, Chips. Yeah, the Chips. old old series. Is, uh, the Classic. Shaft or not the Shaft. Or is it the Shaft? It's Shaft. It's yeah, Shaft. Shaft, yeah. Shaft and the Shaft. Um, that's something different. But that's a different and, movie. Oh, I'm thinking the Mac. You watched the Mac and Shaft are like the two best black exploitation movies. I think. And Kofi yeah. or Coffee, well, Coffee, Coffee and, and Coffee. Jackie, what, what about uh, Foxy, Foxy Brown? Yeah. What about Undercover Brother? That movie's awesome. <laughs> or Pootie Tang. <laughs> yeah, Pootie Tang. Okay. Oh my. Directed God. by Louis C.K. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Uh, no, I think that's a cool little... I mean, it has almost nothing to do with the movie, the fact that it was in these movies, but to know that that's the same actor... Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, actually, I wonder if it does, because... I mean, I think... It, I wonder if it does Shaft, I mean, I think it... it, it that is interesting. I mean, there are, I think, some similarities that you could probably pull um, with, like, camera movement and stuff. Some of the funky... I mean, he plays a private detective, which is yeah. sort of what the VP is kind of doing. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's yeah. like... Because he, he, he... It's funny, because the VP is like... He's like he's like a street VP. Right. You know? He's not like, I'm just going to, you know, sit behind my desk. Like, he, he like... He, like... He like sits up and gets up out of his chair and out of behind from his behind his desk to like talk to Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt's character. Like he's almost desperate to have him. Totally. Um, yeah, for sure. Kinda, like you know, he's, well, he's, he's like, trying to use him. Right. Yeah. Which is you know, I had this little bit of a discussion with Keith earlier today too about this movie in the sense of I I, I felt I kind of wanted no adults in the movie. Because for the for, for the longest time, for the first like forty minutes or so of the movie, you don't see any adults. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you see the VP, and then you see the Penn's mom and stuff. And it and for me, it threw me out of the movie just a little bit because I kind of liked the fact that it was almost this like other world where it was just teenagers. Yeah, um, yeah, I could I could see that. Plus, you could you you could kind of see it as like uh, almost like they're playing. You know, like that, like it, like it's all, it's all giant fiction. You know, like yeah, it's totally. all yeah, just definitely. them like making it up. But like by get, like by their putting kids them... in the sandbox or something. You know, yeah, kid, like yeah, totally kids in the sands. In fact, sandbox. that's yeah. th- that first scene that we talked about earlier, where Joseph Levitt's like just watch, just looking at the dead body, and then like leaves the dead body, then comes back, hides yeah. the dead body. I when I was watching this and. Uh, I was I was almost thinking like is he is this is this for real like is she really dead are they playing yeah. is this whole thing like a play act like I had never seen the movie before so I was I, that question actually came up many times it wasn't until like um, the dude with the white tank top like shoots the dude that I was like oh shit no this is actually like like the, yeah no jokes like yeah this actually is happening um, right it's not fake uh, but. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I kind of so I kind of now that I know that he's like Shaft, like I now it adds a new spin to the movie. Adds, it really it, does. I kind of like the fact that maybe like the 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 grown up at least he is in there. I think you could still get rid of the mom. The, she was funny though. I mean, she's, the comedic relief of the mom it, was it funny. Is, it is it is funny because these kids are you know the pin and the dude are are like super like supposed to be very like. Uh, threatening almost, and he's sitting there with a fucking napkin and a cookie in front yeah. of him. You know? <laughs> and she's like pouring drinks for all the gangster dudes yeah. that are in there. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. I also like that scene when, like, when he gets beat up and he wakes up and he gets out of the house and he looks and it's like all of the white tank tops dudes, like brothers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're all, all watching TV. <laughs> and they're all wearing, like, the same thing. And it's like this super quick shot. But I was like, that's actually really that funny. hilarious. Yeah. Because there's like 20 dudes in there. <laughs> All right. Should we talk about um, Brothers Blue? 
maybe for a little bit and then jump into where are we at we're at about an hour okay i'll jump into i kind of just want to talk more opinions about these two films specifically yeah sure because i'm curious about your guys's opinions um so yeah uh i don't know i don't have a ton to say about brothers bloom to be honest um (laughs) you want to say something i okay this isn't a this isn't an opinion thing. This is what do you guys think of like Mark Ruffalo in this movie? I like Mark Ruffalo in general. I I felt like he should have played the other. I th- I feel like he should have played Adrian Brody's character. I you feel like he would have been better. You know what's funny is that that's how they originally originally were in the script or when they were casted. Uh, he was supposed to play Adrian Brody's character. Oh man! But the two actors decided to switch. And that's why I brought it up. Because wow, to me, the whole time I was feeling that they should have kept it the original way. Really? I don't know if Adrian Brody would have had the, like, that slick charisma that that character needed. I think he can. I think, like, because I didn't buy what it movie, from Mark. What movie has he been in that, that sh- makes you think that, though? He's never he could, played that. I think, I think he could play it because I think he, I know he thinks so highly of himself that I think he could pull it off. Because, like, he has in his part in, like, the Grand Budapest Hotel is so small, but he plays that kind of That's arrogant... That's a small part. He's, like, the main... One of three main people. Kind of. I mean, he doesn't really have that much screen time, though. He, I don't know. And then you think... This is actually what I was thinking of, too. Like, his roles in Darjeeling and in, like, The Pianist are all so, like, moody. Like, he's so yeah. moody. He, I but just, that's what I felt that that character needed. No, yeah. that character was not a moody character at all. But, that like, Mark was, Ruffalo, he, I didn't get that he was supposed to be as slick as he was, whereas, like, Adrian Brody, he's an Oscar winner. He, 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 the baggage that came with him for me, it would have worked, that he was more slick, more of that superstar, more of that, like, I guess yeah. I could see him as, like, a slick man, back hair. You know? like, yeah, like. Like, maybe he, dressed he, in a he suit. He just seems like, kind of more, like. More of like a sleek, maybe even like he could have played it like a, a semi slime ball, you know. Whereas, yeah. whereas Mark Ruffalo, his characters that he plays are normally, and a part of it is his voice, you know, is kind of the quiet, more wiseish, you know. Kind yeah, of yeah. I guess man, he was in Grand Budapest. Too, I huh? would have felt. I don't know. I thought Ruffalo played it pretty well for for it. Honestly, for some, for some I, he felt I like a. Buy it. Yeah, he felt like a like a cute older brother type, which. I just, like, I, I, like he was like, oh, he just doesn't like get that this isn't who he is. But like, I could like, if um, gosh, if the other guy played him, I'm to- how the fuck you guys just said his name and I'm totally Mark, out. Mark Ruffalo. No, the other guy, a- Adrian, Adrian Brody. Brody. Adrian Brody. Yeah, if he plays it, then it's like this, almost like de- I-, I could see like a depressed version of this character. Like this is all I have. Like I, I didn't get a sense that like like when Mark Ruffalo is dying at the end, I didn't, I didn't get a sense that like he actually like cared, only cared about yeah. that stuff. Like I felt like it was just like some random thing, and him dying just like didn't work because of that. But I think a- for for me. But I think if Adrian Brody does it and dies at the end, uh, I totally buy it because it seems like he's like this master manipulator guy. I the feel like thing, he can pull that off. The only thing is, is that you'd be looking at Mark Ruffalo throughout the movie, though. Like you would, like you understand, you understand what I'm saying. Like the movie's focus is on Bloom, not on I, I Steven. Think, I think Ruffalo is easier to. Um, for viewers to get into 
I think Ruffalo, yeah. he's an easier person to automatically gravitate towards. So I felt that it would have been a stronger movie if you were able to connect with him. Because Brody, I actually really like Adrian Brody. When he's in a, a good role, he is phenomenal. He, unfortunately, because of his off-screen... Um, That's what you picture, right? More like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I, because of his off-screen persona, he's actually... He, he, he hasn't done himself any favors when it comes to roles. And now he's... Is he a dick? Yeah. He's, oh, okay. he's known to be a complete asshole. Um, and unfortunately... And a part of it, it went to his head that he was the youngest person ever to win an Oscar. Um, and, <laughs> and it went to his head. For what? Um, the pianist? Uh, for the pianist, yeah. Okay. Um, and I I think he has a range. Like, when you see him in The Village, and you see him in The Pianist, and when you see him in um, uh, The Jackal, and you see him in these other roles, like, he does have a range, but you have, like... The director has to be careful. I felt I feel like Ryan Johnson. He's a good enough director. His vision is strong enough. Where I think that if he really wanted to have uh, Adrian Brody play the Ruffalo character, I think he could have done a super good job because he has that. Because Adrian Brody has that semi semi like a uh, Charlie Chaplin uh, yeah. feel to him as well, where he could be very animated and very lively. Yet he is kind of stuck in these kind of more moody roles. But, but like his character in um, the village is he plays the like a, a, a mentally handicapped um, young man who's who's uh, very lively um, and pulls it off tremendously well. I mean, uh, if you look at him in Grand Budapest too, I guess he can play that sort of melodramatic evil character. Yeah. So I I don't know I I honestly had no problem with the casting. Yeah. And apparently. Uh, or like the choice of roles and apparently they thought the same thing they yeah. thought that Ruffalo was going to be better for it and yeah. Brody was better for it because that's why they switched it's so interesting because um, that wasn't yeah. a decision by Johnson yeah you know initially um, I don't know I, I that honestly never crossed my mind even having yeah, well. them switch um, the only thing yeah, that really crossed I, I, my I, mind is they don't look like brothers no yeah <laughs> yeah they sure. totally don't for but sure. I, I felt that right away like when I saw like when it transitioned to like the the current day I when I saw Adrian Brody I was like oh he's the older brother like immediately that's what I thought too yeah the the only thing that kept me thinking that he wasn't was that like we end on the younger brother in the past and then the next shot is like of Adrian Brody so I was like oh this I think they're saying this is the same person but I don't want to believe that yet and then you know then Mark starts doing his you know bullshit tricks or whatever his his little hand um, card tricks or whatever and it's like oh yeah he's the older brother Um, this is kind of stupid but I kind of I kind of was also kind of hoping that not hoping because I knew that it wasn't but I think I thought it would have been cool if the whole movie was them doing these cons as kids that would have been kind of cool because like Ryan Johnson's doing that in a way with Brick with having yeah. all this stuff with these young adults like what about, what about these kids doing these like elaborate cons but yet not necessarily doing them to fellow adults but they could be doing them to other kids yet set in these same elaborate um, 
uh, settings. Yeah. You know how cool how cool would that be? I think it would yeah, be Yeah, that's pretty of, interesting. It would be kind of it would be more of the magical realism. Yeah, that seems know? like uh like a Wes, An- Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which I got that vibe and I think I think um maybe even the casting of Adrian Brody uh cuz he's worked with Wes Anderson on a, a he couple He did Darjeeling. Projects. Let me see right here. And he did a couple uh, shorts. He did with Jar- him. Darjeeling right before this. Right. And then he did some shorts. Um, yeah. Afterwards, I believe as well, and, and then I think they I think. did some. Yeah, the commercials, and and then he did obviously Grand Budapest, but um, a little a little bit of that movie baggage was there for me too. But it has that feel that Wes Anderson feel to it a little bit. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, you haven't brought up the narrator yet. <laughs> I, I'm surprised you haven't. <laughs> uh, I was planning at some point someone was going to Ricky J. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> Love I don't it. Know. It's tough for me because I could see how the narrator works in this scenario, and I'm not trying to be apologist to like Ryan Johnson or anything because I'm not like in love with him or anything, yeah. right? But I don't know. Like, I go back and forth with the narrator for this one a little bit. Um, obviously, I mean, I kind of generally lean towards you probably could have pulled it off without the narrator, but what I thought was interesting was the rhyming. Like, it was a poem that he was saying, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And it was storybook, which gave it that magical realism, you know, sort of edge. Which I didn't like the animation that they had between, like, it would be this, like, terrible, like, at least it was terrible to me, this, like, really bad, like, they took a a still frame of the the footage and then they they did, like, the cheesy, like, Instagram filter before Instagram filters where, like, it makes it look like it was, like, a drawing. They did? Did I miss that? Yeah. It's was like, it pretty quick? It's pretty quick throughout the whole film. Like, it would be, like, the title or, like, you know, like, two days later or I would say uh, Montenegro oh, yeah. or whatever. And it was, like, it would be a quick, like, the scene that you'd see was, like, a fake drawing, but then it would disappear and dissolve into the real, oh, the okay. real, With like, the written word. Yeah. Yeah. Like, almost like it was, like, drawn up in the plan but it, it just, sort it of a looked, thing. It just looked... It didn't look like he was hand drawn at all. Like yeah, it, just, it looked like it was computerly, you know, com- uh, done with a computer, and I, it took me out. But that's just me. I guess that's a more of a opinion, opinion thing that I should probably say for later. But yeah. shut, shut up, Byron! How dare I mean, you? I don't. I, there, there's nothing about this movie that's just like with production. They did anything crazy different, or they set, you know, they set some new standard, or. You know, there's nothing about it that's that's so groundbreaking that I mean, we could just move right into oh, okay, cool, just discussing cool. opinions and whatnot. Um, well, I thought. Well, one thing I thought was really cool was the silent character. Um, oh yeah, she was cool. Yeah, in there. yeah. Bang bang. bang, bang. <laughs> she was my favorite character. That but like, how how many like silent movie characters can you guys name? Uh. Oh, I know a whole bunch. I, I know. You, well, you can remember them. She's but played, like, three. She played one right before this. She, she played the, the deaf lady in Babel. That's what he, that's yeah. what I'm talking about, in Babel. Ah. And, then, and, then, and then she plays this really, in this really cool movie that came out uh, two or three years ago that's based on a true story of the late the lady that came from, I believe it was Japan uh, or China, who thought who saw Fargo. Thought it was an, a documentary. Thought it was oh. real, and went to North Dakota to find 
the money that Steve Buscemi hid in the movie, and she ended up dying. Whoa. And this is the true story. And there's a movie that she, she stars as that lady. Oh, interesting. Um, so hmm. it's it's a really good movie, and she you know she comes from uh, you know Asia, and she comes to the U.S. She's never been abroad before, and so it's almost this completely silent film, in the sense of she doesn't hardly fucking talk at all or at all um, because she's in this foreign land. Um, so she's really good at able you know to to express emotions and stuff with her eyes. Uh, so I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised to see her in another silent um, role. Uh, I mean, does Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin count? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. The, the Tramp. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Harold Lloyd. Or, yeah. Yeah, Harold Floyd. Harold Lloyd, I, right? I love um, silent characters. I mean, there's a lot of characters that are nearly silent, like, you know, Ryan Gosling in Drive and Ryan Gosling in Only God Forgives. And, um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. The chief, know, it's true. That's why it's funny. The Chief in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, that's true. The Chief in... Yeah. Yeah, even like like Groot from... Yeah. Yes, he says Groot. <laughs> this list I'm looking at... It says Max and Mad Max Fear Road. He's fairly silent. The next thing on this list, the driver and drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things. Um, I feel that silence brings out a lot of um... Jason Voorhees. Oh yeah, killers. Mike yeah. Mike Myers. Sure, Mike Myers. Yeah. A silence in characters, I think, brings out a lot. Um, yeah. It, 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 because the the viewer is subconsciously saying like why why aren't they like talking why like yeah. there's something about that character that must be troubled or or Silent Bob yeah it's like, <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob Silent Bob yeah <laughs> classic and it was kind of a cool phenomenon but I, I appreciated that in this movie and she's definitely my favorite character and I like that the you know the the irony that her name is Bing Bing and that her actions speak are louder than her words. Yeah. And she's not actually entirely silent. And, and she does the karaoke she thing. Does, yeah. But she apparently karaoke. there's someone, so she says like a total of five words. If you don't yeah. count the karaoke and two of them are fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the, the joke in this movie where it's like, Bang Bang has a phone. <laughs> she says nothing throughout the movie, but then they're yeah. like, oh. Yeah. yeah. She's like, yeah, I think she's very exclusive with who she gives the number to. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. This list has Mr. Bean. Oh, God. Um, Snoopy, Maggie Simpson, Wally. Oh, Wally, yeah. Um, so some of those are like, you know, TV or whatever, right? But Wally's the shit. I, uh, it's kind of hard. I don't know. Like, there's not a lot. Of silent characters. Yeah, there's really not a lot. Which is unfortunate, I think. Um, so do we, do we want to do... Are we going to do the review things and then... and We usually do the reviews and then the choices, right? Oh, we could probably tie them in together, right? Maybe? Or what do we... I mean, I feel like I'm kind of obvious. Um, I'm just quote, You two, actually, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Byron, I'm actually not sure... I'm gonna, let's do Keith first since sure. it's easy. Okay. So I'm going to go with Brick because, A, so looking superficially at Brothers Bloom, there's a narrator right, right off the bat, done. It's magical um, realism. <laughs> magical <laughs> realism. Uh, but I, honestly, I'm going to say Brick because um, I, th- I think you're into the kind of hard-boiled noir type stuff um, and just... How uh, you've kind of talked about this movie before, and how 
you like the, uh, like the how Ryan Johnson kind of tells a story via shoes, like how he uses oh, shoes. Oh, that's the film. what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, you remind me. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I'm gonna go with that. And if you want to talk about that shoe thing right now, because I, I think the shoe thing is fascinating as a kind of a takeaway from Ryan Johnson. If if there's anything yeah. that we get from him as a director, I think the shoe thing is so it's probably most appropriate to try and do this like at the end of our master classes but since we're here and i do want to talk about this so there's um for me this film is kind of important because like well hold on i guess just byron i don't know i mean you just want to throw a guess out there oh <laughs> yeah, uh, i'm sure it's i, I yeah brick yeah brick. I, i'm guessing it's totally like brick, brick. um although i did like brothers bloom um I th- you know, I'd give it like a three three star or whatever. It's very watchable. Three out of four or three, three out of five. Three out of three. Three out of three. So Brick is kind of important to me as a filmmaker, though, because um, this is the first time uh, that I heard a filmmaker's take on shoes. Um, and in an interview, he states the feet thing. I just personally really like shoes as, as a design element for a character. They can give you a very instant snapshot of the essence of that character. Brendan with his good, solid, no-nonsense, weathered shoes, or Emily with shoes that were that were these beautiful, delicate little things that are now all that now are all beat up. Yeah. And it's true. Uh, every time, like when just getting a glimpse at his shoes, you see, okay, they're they're dress shoes. Yeah. But yeah. they're worn. But they're worn. Yeah. So he's he's always going around, or he's had them for a while. Yeah, he's a man of the streets, um, but yet, like not like but he's trying to present himself as, as slightly better than right. what he is yeah yeah right yeah and like a, what does a plain white shirt say about someone not very much, not much yeah you know bruce willis wears one in pulp fiction and he wears one in this like yeah. that doesn't really say anything and then you could say that his jacket says something because it's kind of a fuzzy jacket um and whatnot but for me it's like this like this hearing him say that made me realize that the very top and the very bottom of a character's costume are to me the most important aspects of a costume so his hair right and you could tell that the hair was important to them because his hair is shaggy and then in the past they do that split thing yeah yeah emily's hair is disheveled uh laura's hair is very clean cut brains is very clean cut and sort of that gelled front side yeah you know what i mean brain is wearing like converses like pretty yeah. typical like 90s dude shoes right yeah. um laura wears a variety of shoes for the occasion you know like i said emily's shoes so like it just made me realize the importance of how you can tell a story of a character more than just their shirt and their pants like they could be wearing blue jeans and a white shirt but if they're if, if they're wearing high heels boots sandals flip flops converses versus yeah, nikes yeah yeah that's all different and yeah. it changes like depending on like your you know you could be wearing that t- typical wardrobe at any one of those things and you know like that's what says the message yeah. and then the hair yeah just how much time we put into our hair you know whether did you gel it back that day do you have a ponytail is your hair long you know are you balding um is it dyed like that says so much more about someone i think than what their shirt is because a shirt is kind of generic generic and like yeah you could have three people have the same shirt but if one person has long hair one person has short hair and one person looks like a businessman wearing those shirt then like you get a sense through their hair uh so it was just to me it was just one of the more important like aspects of 
of my filmmaking and trying to understand directing and stuff um, was that. So, like, yeah, Brick is important in that sense. Um, but I really, really like hard-boiled detective stuff and mm-hmm. noir, neo-noir stuff. Just huge fan of that stuff. Um, and I just really... And I've seen Brick, like, I don't know, four or five times now. Uh, and I enjoy it more and more and more every single time I watch it. Um, it's just always a good good watch for me, for sure. Um, I, yeah, the shooting is just really cool. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's it, so it, interesting it, to me. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things It's like... You know, you're not going to see Superman wearing, like, you know, sandals, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah flip-flops, exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just cool. And when you really look at any movie, you know, you know the costume designer has thought about shoes, you know? Like, that's... Totally. And some movies are... It's more prominent than others, you know? there's There are movies, I'm sure, where you don't see the main character's feet at all, you know? Exactly. But yeah. there's, you know... It's important when you see Tom Cruise running through, you know, some crazy action set piece, what type of shoe he's wearing. Because if he's wearing, like, you know, some crazy loafers, it's going to not be, exactly. you know, it's not going to fit. And what <laughs> yeah. and it, it ties the it ties the costume together in a way yeah. or, or your wardrobe. Like, think about a guy in a full business suit. Right. You know, tie, dress shirt, jacket, slacks. Yeah. Now picture him barefoot and then picture him with the, you know, the nice dress shoes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, though that ties it together. If he's barefoot, you you have a certain connotation yeah. of like, okay, are you having a bad day? Are you right. just tripping? But Probably the lost shoes, his shoes. Exactly. Did he yeah. lose his shoes? Like, but the but shoes that like they're flip, on. If he's like flip-flops though, then it's like he put those on. And then you're like, what the, f-? and you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's a question yeah, that you automatically yeah. ask. But when you put the dress shoes on, it's like, okay, now the wardrobe is complete. Yeah. Now we're, you're a full businessman, you it's know what so I mean, funny. or whatever. It's kind of ironic, but the movie that is coming to my mind, like, immediately is one that I saw last night. I, I went and saw Roman J. Israel Esquire, the new Denzel Washington movie, and that movie primarily takes place in offices and courtrooms and, you know, like, interior sets. Uh, you know, there's not action. It's not an action movie or anything. So the clothing and the shoes are very important on what the characters Mm -hmm. are immediately presented as because the movie is a character study on Denzel Washington's character. It's basically a character movie. So when another character comes in for a scene, they're, they're supposed to be, they're important and integral to the scene, and we're supposed to kind of get a feel for who they are, but you can't really do that in a courtroom setting. Right. So so you have to kind of get into them by clothing or whatever. Yeah. And I was really aware of that last night when I was watching this movie. There was this kind of slime ball lawyer guy that comes in and his like suit is like a l- very very light pink and everything and it was like so subtle yet like it immediately gives you this kind of feeling like, "Oh, why would this like man in his mid 60s be wearing this like yeah, right? super like very silky satin shiny like light pink suit you know like he's obviously that's a part of his character so i don't know um uh it's super important like in shoes like you said i think if there's any piece of clothing it's it's the shoes that really 
And it's just weird because I've never thought about it. I mean, you, you can know? just look at how many shoes you have, right? Or yeah, like, you know, true. how many shirts you wear throughout the week. I mean, I that's have a, I have black, white, gray. I like right. blue shirts. Yeah, yeah, and they're all blank. You yeah, know, I have some band shirts or whatever, but I have a whole bunch of shirts. But when it's the work week, I, I always switch out my like seven plain. No, shirts, totally. You know, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but you're that's because all about... of your shirts are inappropriate for work. I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A lot of them, yeah, no. no just, a lot of them I just don't like. They're just like, I don't want to ruin them. <laughs> what, type of, what type of shoes do you wear to work? Uh, kind of ones that are lighter, like more athletic Supportive, Supportive, right? Yeah, yeah you yeah, pay a lot sure. of attention to the yeah, shoes. Definitely, you, definitely. Wearing freaking, you know, flat vans or Converse yeah, yeah. to work in a it's, situation like when that. When you're on your feet all day, it's like it's going to Yeah, not, you put a lot of thought into yeah. your shoes, you know? So, yeah. like, it's just, this movie just opened my eyes up, and it's always stuck with me. And even the last film that I did, I... I didn't show any shoes specifically, but I always had specific ideas for shoes for the actors. And it, it helps the actors, I think. I, I think, think so. the actors, when they're grounded, literally, in a pair of something that that nice. maybe that they're not like listening or that they're not used to. Yeah. Um, you know, for a woman who's not always wearing high heels, when she's playing a character that has to wear high heels, that's going to automatically give her the way she walks it and the way that's going to change yep. the whole way she's going to present herself in the film. Like, yep. I mean, it's yeah. common sense, yet it's at the same time something that isn't necessarily thought about. It's because it's so it's so in tune to you. It's so normal. Yeah. You're so desensitized to doing it. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're a woman. I mean, women are thinking about their shoes obviously constantly, yeah. right? Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> Okay. Okay. Let me let me rephrase this. Damn it. Men think about that came out so wrong. Men think about, Shit. Men think about sex that's constantly, so and women think about shoes. <laughs> they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about oh, shoes. That's, that that's came awesome. out so wrong. That's not at all what I meant. I am. I'm terms, sending Buzzfeed a sound bite of that. Send the SJWs out. Um, what I meant by that was, I think. Yeah, what I what I meant by that was that when women are getting dressed or they're considering what they're going to wear for the day, many many women, not all women, tend to consider heavily what they're wearing and then what shoes they'll be wearing with the right. outfit. Uh, a lot more than most men. A lot of men just. I mean, I slip on my basic like flat uh, flat vans. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have some other workout shoes. I love flat vans. Um, <laughs> today I wore dress shoes just for because the interview was a little bit more. I noticed that. Was a little. I noticed that. Dude. See, I was like, damn it. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't bring my you know nicer you know like. You know, just because of I knew pants, what the interview yeah. was like, so you know, I kind of yeah. just wore something a little bit different than I usually would. Right. You know, and you know, just. You kind of think about those things a yeah. little bit, you know. Are, are you yeah. going to go for a hike? Are you going to wear boots? Or are you going to wear flip flops? You know what I mean? Like right. you think about it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, did, sure. I did. I did on purposely though. I did, however, wear my nicest sneakers. Nice. They're not nice. Like, but yet I was like, okay, I still have work, so I'm gonna. You got to do both. Yeah. <laughs> No, for sure. And, like, you know, I, we could have probably gone over, like, hey, we should probably dress a little bit. You know, yeah, I even whatever, thought about but... bringing, like, a button-down shirt. But then I was like, ah, I don't know. You know, it depends on the situation. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah so sure. that's kind of my, like, you know, thing about shoes. Dang, dude. You're destroying your mic. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's a habit. <laughs> it's totally a habit. I'm sorry. Uh, um, I have so, this. I have this like microphone on the. You know, it's like the 3.5 millimeter. Oh, so I, you just twist it around or whatever. So I'm just like totally just t- 
playing oh. with it, and I think it's totally destroying you guys. It but is, I, yeah. I don't normally wear these headphones, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we can do one of you two guys just real quick, and then maybe get into more, like... I mean, I guess we kind of talk about the reviews when we do this. So I kind of like doing it. Just right yeah, we kind of we kind of mix it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah kinda mix I kind of dig it. Yeah. So yeah. let's. Uh, I mean, I don't know, Byron. You wanna wanna guess. do Byron? I guess. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, do yeah. Byron. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> let's do Byron. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting done, son. Cheers, uh, Byron. Oh yeah. Cheers to Byron. Getting Byron <laughs> wasted. <Uh-oh>. So jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You need to send me shots through the camera here. Ooh. All right, so I'm going to say for Byron, thank you for sending the shot. <laughs> that's that's really... Oh, yeah, I get two. Okay, thank you. Um, holding them up to the screen. That's really nice. Um, so for Byron, I'm going to say... This, this is a tough one, but I'm going to also say Brick, um, specifically because of the unique blend of the different styles of cinema that kind of Ryan Johnson does here, like which, which he does do with, um, brothers bloom, you know, he kind of blends like the, the con man with like the magical realism, which I don't think that's ever really been done before brothers bloom. Um, but I, I think by, I think brick worked a lot more, uh, for Byron, um, because of, the just how they combined like the spaghetti western with the high school with the hard boiled thing, and I think Byron has a real appreciation for um, that kind of unique blend of cinema. I'm gonna go with the exact opposite and say Bloom. Um, you talked about how you're really into magical realism. I think the tone was fairly consistent all the way through. It's pretty fun. I think the characters are more interesting. Um, this is sort of cheating, I guess, but you didn't give me any specifics, but you said you had some issues with Brick. Um, I'm, I, I think Bloom, I think you just, it just kind of edged it out. I think that if you sat down and wa- and rewatched Brick and maybe watched it at least one more time, maybe a couple more times, you, it would edge out Bloom. But I think right now Bloom is, is where you're at. Okay, so... Do you want me to... Okay. Drum roll, please. Yeah, you can, so. yeah, you can, you can ease into it. You can do whatever you want. Well, <laughs> uh, it's interesting because with Brothers Bloom, I I really like the beginning. And so wait, this is first time, first time for, for both. both. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So first okay. time, first time Bloom for me. Like I said, I've seen Brick a yeah. bunch of times. So this. with okay. Brothers Bloom, I love the first like. 40 minutes. I love the build up. You get to know the characters. You get, yeah. you know, yeah. I love yeah. the Lamborghini yeah. scenes. Of course you do. <laughs> like, I, like, I mean, I just, it was kind of cool to bring this like super, you know, expensive exotic car and do this like Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton thing with her cra- always crashing or always doing something with the, yeah. Ooh, that is kind of, yeah, like silent film. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and it's, yeah. it's kind of the slapstick thing. And I'm, a, I am a sucker of slapstick. Um, that and it was, also like says like that she's just like a rich person who doesn't give two shits about anything. Yeah, right, totally. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, she's she's talented in all these things, but yet driving she's not very good at. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, she, she can she can do a unicycle, she just can't drive an exotic car. Um but uh I so I and I liked I, I love I am a huge sucker for slapstick and I, I and that was the com the type of comedy that I grew up on. Um 
And I did like how he was able to kind of mesh this other world, like this these different genre tropes and, and genre styles into Brothers Bloom that that I just don't see at all in movies. You know, I hardly ever see slap see slapstick in movies. Um, however, in 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 Brick. You know, he's doing the same thing where he's combining different genres together. Um, but to be honest, I actually did like Brick better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, and the reason why is I felt the whole time as I was watching Brothers Bloom is it seemed almost like a Wes Anderson ripoff. Interesting. It, because... Because it, it just, he's dealing with the way he's shooting, and 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 the way it's it's chaptered and and, and all the settings yeah. and it's it's very the titles yeah, yeah. And it, it 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 goes into that kind of magical realism territory yet it's not like it's not full blown magical realism it's, it's you know it's, it's very quirky. Yeah, it's quirky, and yeah. it, but yet it's not fully fleshed out like Wes Anderson's movies, where his his universe is so fleshed out. You know, every every tree that you see aligned, you know, with the actor is definitely on there on purpose. You know what I mean? Like you have this feeling that Wes Anderson's painting an image. You know, when you see it, with this, it seemed that the camera movement and everything was just like what Wes Anderson does. However, what the camera's seeing is half-assed oh, in the sense of in the sense of location. Okay. Like I couldn't I the cinematography in this movie I I was a little disappointed in. Okay. Because I'm I'm looking at Brick and I'm looking at what he's done with what he what he was able to achieve with Brick on a cinematography cinematography level, the way the camera moves, the way um it, it, it's able to not only flow with the plot, but also flow with the character. I think that those, those are both hard things to do. I think in the most movies, the camera is either following the character or following the plot. For Brick, I notice that it's doing both. It's hmm. furthering the plot, and it's also going with the character. And I think that's really hard to do. And in movies that do that, always stand out to me because they they seem to go by quicker. They're 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 just like whoa that was over and you almost don't even n know it you know and I felt like Brick was like that for me where everything just kind of clicked everything was executed perfectly you know I and I mentioned that to Keith earlier today too where I felt like every everything was just he you know like he said like Keith said you know he had six years of thinking about this movie um, and it's it shows whereas Brothers Bloom it it, it it feels like he had that, and his talent his talent is there, but it, it's it's almost like almost like copying what he already did, but with a bigger budget, and it seems a little not pretentious, but it just seems a little like I don't know. I enjoyed Ryan Johnson's um, Breaking Bad episodes way. Oh, we didn't even talk way, about that. Way, oh yeah, for sure. Way better than so, Brothers Bloom. Ryan Johnson is credited with three episodes of Breaking Bad, Fly Fifty One, and Ozymandias. Ozymandias has been heralded by a lot of people as one of the best episodes of television ever. Yeah. Um, Same with the Fly. 
Yeah, I uh, think yeah. a lot of people. I think Fly Fly is 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 considered the most polarizing episode. It's so unique because it's different. Yeah. than a lot of the yeah. episodes surrounding it because it doesn't um, push the plot at all. Right, and it's very yeah. slow compared yeah. to it. Uh, it's like whereas, this like emotional like journey. You know? Right, and yeah. Ozymandias is the third from the last episode in the whole series, and no. a lot of shit starts to happen yeah. at the very end of that series, um, and it's considered one of the greatest yeah. uh, episodes yeah. of For, TV. Uh, we should... Uh, well, I'm going to say the plot of it, so if you're a listener and you want to watch Breaking Bad, skip... You know, maybe like four minutes or something in this podcast, but I'm going in three, two, one. And so th- this is Ozymandias is the episode where um, Walter White uh, does he kill Hank in this? I don't think he episode or is that the episode before? I think I it, that's the episode before. Uh, but it's this is the one where he is like talking to his wife and she's like with like the police like on the phone and he's uh he knows like the phone is tapped and he's essentially like telling her off or not telling her off but he's like letting her he's like pretending that she like wasn't in on it sort of a thing. Um or that she didn't know about it. And then he takes the bus to, like, the other state. I forgot what it was, like, Ohio or something? No, it was, like, well, he, he goes to the East Coast. He goes to the East Coast, it's like, yeah. It's, like, New Jersey or some shit. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, like, New Jersey. So it's, like, that. Or that's Maine. the episode. Maine. I think it was Maine. Oh, it was Maine. Yeah. Yeah. It's the episode where, like, it ends with, like, him going to Maine. So it's, like, yeah. he's, like, wrapping up everything and taking off. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I, I mean, I liked Brothers Bloom. It was a solid movie. Yeah. I, I, you know, it was, it was a good movie. It, I, I don't want to like completely um, trash it. It just, it just, it didn't feel like a Ryan Johnson movie. I mean, Looper, well, it kind of did, but Looper and and the the Breaking Bad episodes and Brick for me seem way more like his talent. Is this on his A game there? Where Brothers Bloom, I feel like maybe it was, and it makes sense. It's his it's his first movie that he's doing with an like an actual budget, you know? Yeah. What I mean? yeah. And that's got to be a huge. I mean, I know that we would probably do the it's similar shit. Jump, yeah. You know, it's a huge jump. Like, how do you go from a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar movie to I don't know twenty million twenty million dollars? You know, like that's right. That is significant. Um, well, just, the big difference there is just like departments. Like you have oh, like yeah, all these different departments that you are suddenly in charge of. But on a four fifty budget movie, you're there's not departments. Yeah, I just felt like his control over Brick was superior. You know, and that's why, like, Wes Anderson is control over Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest. You can tell it's supreme. So it just seems more, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know. It's hard to explain. But I think Ryan Johnson's, like, the way he handled Looper, where, you know, even the rooms are set up the same as they are in Brick. You know, yeah. the the yeah. small the small little That's like true. you know um, office, and he has a definite style, but I'm not quite seeing it as much in Brothers Bloom. Um, but that was yeah. But I I uh, I did enjoy Brothers Bloom, and I think I would have liked it more if the whole movie was more like the first thirty to forty minutes. I didn't then it would definitely be Brothers Bloom because I I liked the slapstick part, um, and. I'm just a sucker for it, and I don't see it that often. Um, and also, I, I really enjoyed the Bang Bang character, and I, I wanted to see her more um, as well. Like, she could have her own spinoff movie. And totally. I would definitely yeah. watch that. 
Oh, that would be awesome. So, yeah. just real quick, I want to clear just up the Ozymandias episode, so spoilers again, if you haven't seen it. Um, he doesn't kill Hank. He doesn't kill Hank in, in that one. He uh, It's one of the other dudes that ends up killing Hank. He's just around when it happens. Yeah, that... Uh, he, he just kind of lets it happen, right? Uh, no, he, he tries to plead for Hank's life, um, but the guy kills him oh, regardless. That's right. That's and, then, right. and then there's a whole thing about Jesse, and Jesse, he reveals to Jesse about... You know, killing his girlfriend and or watching his girlfriend die. Right, like um, it, right. Yeah, so it is a crazy episode, um, and I, I do kind of want to go back and rewatch Breaking Bad, though. Um, yeah, well, I feel like that uh, episode is really great because of the content. I mean, I'd have to look at it again for the direction of it, but I feel like a huge part of that is like here's all these things that we're building up for five seasons, and they're finally like getting released and it's like so satisfying to watch it happen and it's great writing because it's the last three episodes of the series and typically when you build a a plot you you climax at the very end and then just let it drop off real you know what i mean like and then the resolution is very short you know so having a lot of climax happen over these couple of episodes and then drop off is like ideal the writing in breaking bad is some again some of the best I think totally, in television. Yeah, totally. If um, you think about like Star, like Star Wars is like that. Like the movie doesn't end with the explosion of the Death Star. It ends with like the ceremony of like everybody, like everybody but Chewbacca getting an award. Right. You know? Exactly. You know. Exactly. So it needs like this like thing that like brings it back to to, to you, you know end with your climax, but then also just kind of have like an epilogue type you gotta thing. have or, some or make sort of about, resolution right yeah make it about like the relationships you know it's always it all it's always about the relationships and even breaking bad when he leaves for maine you know he comes back for jesse for the relationship you know um so it, it, you know everything in the end it, and it always end with the relationship is kind of the my the rule of thumb that i that i can see yeah um, all right, let's do Jacob real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be fast. I'm going to say... Um, I just had an idea. I, I feel like Jacob's going to try and throw a curveball. Um, <laughs> you say that every time. So I'm going to say you like Brickmore. Even though I think Brothers Bloom is more your more the magical realism the narrator the fun funness of it um i think but i also think that i don't know i think all of us kind of did like we kind of enjoyed brothers bloom but it, i don't think it it hit any specific specific buttons whereas brick was one that you can spend a lot of time talking about so i think brick is your is your choice um and I just think like you know once in a while you surprise me with the movies that you like enjoy so I think Brick is yours nice you gotta stop twirling that thing too oh <laughs> damn it <laughs> I'm trying to get you can't get a here. read it's just his eyes it's hard to get a sense um, I have a poker face I poker face um I I this is tough um I want to say brick, but I'm, I I I I think I'm gonna have to go Brothers Bloom because 
there's a love story involved <laughs> and, 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 and like I I, I I I think maybe you'd find it kind of sweet this whole relationship that Adrian Brody is kind of developing with Rachel Vice's character and how there's a couple funny moments, you know, like the scene where she's like with the, you know, like orgasming with the pillow and and that was he, funny. And, and he kind of like <laughs> he, he kind of like doesn't know what to do, so he like leaves the carriage. Um <laughs> And, you know, stuff like that that I, I – and, and some of, like, the cell phone thing, you know, bang, bang with, you know, the the, the basically mute character who has the cell phone. You know, just the little things like that that right. that, that kind of um, add to the film. And, and, and a lot of it is comedic, yes, but I think it also gives it, it this kind of unique little charm to the movie that a lot of movies don't really – they don't pay attention to little details like that that seem kind of witty. And Jacob strikes me as a witty guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm. At least he thinks he's witty. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Brothers Bloom. However, there's still a part of me that 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 feels that Brick. Like I think I think maybe you appreciate Brick more as an actual film, like as the filmmaking part of it. You might like Brick more, but but Brothers Bloom you might enjoy more on a purely audience you know uh level so just before you say something i just want to say this real quick so that we you talked about the cinematography byron yeah um the cinematographer has worked on every one of Brian, uh ryan oh. johnson's films including last breaking Jedi. bad well no his oh, films okay. his okay. films okay. Oh, uh, interesting. breaking bad had had one cinematographer i think oh, okay. uh, michael slovis well he, um, they, there's a couple but they copied his style he was the original he was, original yeah, one yeah. yeah and he directed he was the one that set the tone. every film ryan johnson's done he's had the same cinematographer okay, okay. so hmm. looper and last jedi last, both have okay, the same cool. cinematographer I, so, interesting. so just to add on to that Nathan Johnson, which is Ryan Johnson's cousin, was the composer of both of these films. Oh, does, yeah. Does Ryan is is Nathan Johnson also the composer of Looper? Um, that's a good question. I didn't. I haven't looked into Looper yet. So okay, I guess we'll find out next week. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I, I assume that. that he's he's not the composer of Last Jedi. I assume they they brought back no, the big, the big yeah, boys for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. What's a Gosh. Jedi? I'm just kidding. <laughs> is is a Jedi a plural or singular? Uh, uh, okay, so I'm going to start talking about uh, Brick, uh, which is uh, the movie that I liked more. Um, uh, oh, so, I told you. I kind of knew it too. Told you. Yeah. So I I like actually this is my second time watching Brick, uh, and I did not really like it the first time, but I loved it this time. Um, and I think it's because I had a better grasp of what was even happening. Cause like, as Byron said, like me it too. was, it was hard for me to like buy, like, I really wanted this to be like kids in a sandbox. And as soon as that guy died, I was like the for my first time around, I was like out of the movie. I was like, what even is this? You know, like I, I couldn't wrap my brain around it, but now watching it like a second time, I, I get it. Like I, I get the noir of it. And I under, I, I, I understand like the, 
the stakes and and like that it's not just kind of this make believe thing and i really like there's a lot of really great scenes in here and really cool cinematography that kind of feels student filmish mm-hmm. but in in a good way like it yeah. feels like like someone's just like dicking around like in it a feels really like interesting an indie way film. i mean yeah. it yeah. feels like an indie film right yeah like like almost like an extreme indie film you know cuz it you know there's like those movies that come out that people say they're indie movies but they're really not you know like they're they're like uh, they're they they like seem like they're like big hollywood movies that are just kind of quirky so yeah. they call them indie movies and it's like that's not really that but like to me this like is all like all Zach Braff movies <laughs> yeah, yeah all Zach Braff movies yeah exactly um so yeah i really like this movie and i really like that scene where like he's running uh from let's see it's like after the 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 pit is that the guy's name the pit the pin the pin, the pin. yeah King sorry pin. kingpin yeah sure so, uh yeah so after the pin like puts it out like the hit on him you know and he's like running through the hallway and then he turns the corner and he takes his shoes off you know and then like crawls to like tackle the guy who's chasing him i just think that's like it was like a the sound of that was really interesting because totally. it's like yeah. the heavy clomping of the shoes like you could really like tell where his brain was at um with that uh or not not the brain the character but like where how what he was thinking about and it was really cool to like be in that moment like with him and i felt that kind of throughout the whole movie like you're kind of with this character exploring this like really odd world that has kind of been created and i really i I just really enjoyed it um so just a quick answer to your question uh yes nathan johnson was a composer for looper oh well there you go there you go Uh, um, Bloom. I I liked Bloom, but honestly, I the entire movie I was like, Mark Ruffalo should be the guy, <laughs> and I didn't. I wasn't. I was like, I don't know if Adrian Brody could be the other guy, but now that we talked about it, I could totally see it. Um, but I'm not that familiar with Adrian Brody's body of work. Like I've seen The Pianist and I've seen his Wes Anderson stuff, but. Um, outside of that, I'm just not from. I've seen King Kong, the Peter Jackson, yeah, and uh, he's pretty good in that. But he's still he plays kind of a similar character in this that he does in the King Kong movie. He's just very mopey. Yeah, he's very mopey. Yeah, he's almost like um, like he'd be a better father to um, Kylo Ren than Han Solo. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they even kind of look alike with their big spoilers their hair there. and their oh shit big n- nose. Oh. Oh, you haven't seen Force Awakens? That's right. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> Whoops. I don't care That's about right. spoilers. It's, it's other, pretty, yeah, it's about other people. Star Wars. It's pretty. <laughs> other uh, people uh, care uh, about spoilers. <laughs> sure. It's a pretty obvious. It's kind of like in the early scenes, you kind of realize that they're this, that they're related. So actually, it's kind of like in the first scene. Now that I think it? about it. Nice. But, uh, what? The Force Awakens yeah. is your favorite movie, though, right? <laughs> Uh, I prefer the one with the Ewoks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe uh, Attack of the Clones. You oh, know? Brody was in the Thin Red Line, huh? Return of the Jedi. Oh, I still haven't seen cool. that. Anyway. Dude, Brody was yeah. one of the main characters in that movie, and then they completely fucking stripped all of his fucking. In what movie? Uh, the Thin the Thin Red Line. They, oh, stripped, they stripped all, all of his all fucking of his footage. Oh, like wow. he That's was crazy. like he was supposed to be one of the main characters. Yeah. Wow, he's and too he's, much of an he, asshole. <laughs> out of out of all the the characters, like his was take. I mean, he's got the smallest, the, the least amount of screen time. I think he was in a film called The Boy Who Cried Bitch. 
<laughs> he would probably be good in that role. Honestly. He was in character, yeah. Anyway, um, sorry to interrupt so, you. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Um, but anyways, yeah, I really like Brothers Bloom too. Um, but I couldn't get past the casting of it, and I really like Rachel Wise. Like, I had a huge crush on her from the mummy like uh, <laughs> she's she's such an angel you know so I was close uh, I was fucking such close. an angel shut up <laughs> that was, that's terrible that was terrible you that shoot that awesome. over that was terrible <laughs> that was awesome but seriously I, I think she's like just a beautiful looking person even even now um so I think she's still got it. Plus, she's married to Daniel Craig. So there's there's your TMZ trivia right there. Have you seen The Lobster? Uh, no, I still haven't seen it. Oh my god! Okay, have you seen um, Youth? Uh, uh, youth? 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 Yeah. No. What the fuck are you doing, dude? Stop, dude, stop film brewing me. All right, come have on. Seen... Oh my god, what the fuck though? <laughs> what are are these her movies? Yeah, she's in. Well, Youth is by the guy who did um, The Great Beauty. Oh, Youth only came out like two years ago. Dude, it's such a good movie. But you need to see The Great Beauty too. But Youth, it has Rachel Vice in it. It's uh, Michael Caine and Harvey Keitel, dude. Paul Paolo Dino, Sorrentino, fucking. Dude, the guy is phenomenal film director. But you need to fucking see Youth, man. Rachel Vice is good in it, and also the Lobster. Rachel Vice is fucking. That's like her best role. I didn't. I didn't know she was in the Lobster. So now I'm like, I need yeah, to like go see dude, that. Like, she's like tonight. Yeah, she's yeah. she's really good in the role. She's um, in the Born Legacy. My favorite. Uh, role of hers uh, oh, oh I haven't seen yeah. the Born Legacy oh that's why she was pretty good in the Born Legacy she's actually. in Constantine yeah Constantine I like Constantine I actually yeah, like Constantine's a, a good fucking movie yeah. that's like one of before before the John Wick movies that might have been my favorite Keanu Reeves movie yeah, yeah. yeah. I dig it Constantine is dope um yeah. but yeah dude uh Rachel Vice, I've always liked her. She's not my favorite or anything, but she's she's always she's she's really good. She just has to be cast well. That's oh that's yeah, the thing. no she she's a great actor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's awesome. And uh, I I felt like she was cast really well in this role. Yeah, she like she, I could really see her in in this movie. Like definitely, it was awesome. definitely. Yeah, she played she played she has good chemistry with Ruffalo. I think, but not so much with Brody. Yeah, which uh, just another reason to switch them up yeah see I am, I am in a complete agreement with you on that I felt that they should have they should have just kept the original um idea of Brody as the older brother and yeah and a part of it too is I don't know it's just me but like Brody's taller and so when I, I kind of just think of taller as older which isn't the case even with me like my youngest brother is a little bit taller than me and I'm the oldest so it's like <laughs> but, yeah, still... but it's like yeah it's like that immediate visual you yeah. know like the towering like you're in your brother's shadow you know yeah which I just didn't really feel that with Brody at all I felt like Brody was like too confident as like a younger person you yeah. know like he was like too in in touch with like his like the issue that he has being the younger person but i feel like ruffalo could totally play that off as like not really sure what he wants a lot more like i didn't really believe that adrian brody didn't know what he wanted like i felt like he knew what he wanted the whole time yeah and was just afraid of it yeah no for sure that's how i felt too i mean yeah and like and like even the the, the scenes where he's acting where like he has the pencil and he's about to stab the guy 
and stuff, it just didn't feel real to me because I was like, well, you know what? Fucking Brody would do that. Like, it just seems like he would. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just seemed like he would. And then at the end when he's firing the gun, finally, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's about fucking time. You know, like, I don't know. And it might just go back to the movie baggage thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, but yeah it could. I mean, it might, like, it purely, I think, might just go to that for me. But yeah. But yeah, I, the uh, I I also felt the same thing you did about the cinematography of it. Like it just, I really liked it, but it just it felt like it was just a little like it didn't like match the quirky content for me. And this is almost terrible for me to say, but I feel like if the movie was made now, it would be a lot better, even if it was the same cast. There's something about the cinematography that seemed too uh, whitewashed. Like, it, it was too... Things seemed blown out. Whitewashed? Like, 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 like no, whitewashed is, is like blown out, um, but not on oh, purpose. Oh. But, but not on purpose. Yeah, well, it had the uh, our, our favorite bloom effect in, like, a lot of the shots, you know? Like, the, the blooming... Like you know, like when you your whites are kind of like peeking like through windows, and filmmakers I, were like, add the bloom. I hate that. I, like I that, did, I, that I, was I like did. in this movie a, a lot. I, I didn't like the uh, the the blown out whites, the, the two like the, the, the peaking whites, and like, I wanted to see clouds. You know, I I, I didn't want to see all white sky. You know, they're, they're in these beautiful settings in Montenegro. I wanted to see sunsets. I wanted to see sunrises. I wanted to see really cool, and I feel that. Now they could have gotten all that way faster, way easier with digital. I mean, because I'm guessing they filmed this all on film. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like, yeah I, probably. I think, I think if they had spent more money or, or more time, they would have been able to really capture, um, like more setting and atmosphere. But like they're in these beautiful yeah. locations, and and you're looking at this beautiful, beautiful building, and and and, and the, everything around it is fucking you know these statues and then behind it is this pure white like it was just it just yeah. it, it took everything out for me i'm like now at least like in post if you wanted to you could like i mean they could have done it then too but they could they could really oh. have made the whole it just seemed the movie seemed bland to me whereas brick it was bland but it was for a reason you know, like like the the, the way it's the way the colors are kind of muted and 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 yeah, it kind of gave you that hard boiled like desaturated exactly. feel and, that and you like, kind of needed. Yeah, the sets are, are aren't like fully um, decorated and and things are kind of deserted and and derelict looking. It all yeah. adds to the atmosphere of the movie and it works. Whereas this one, it was like, okay, we're filming in a really cool, expensive location. However, it doesn't look like we have enough time to completely look, make it look like really good. Which, yeah. the camera movement is really good. So it, it was just off, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah, if it, was, it, yeah. it, it needed to complement each other where it complemented each other in Brick, but not in this. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's... Yeah, that, I, I, that makes sense, yeah. That's what threw me off. Um, so, yeah, one one little fun fact about this movie is that the script was featured on the 2006 Blacklist as the, one of the most un, uh, most liked unmade scripts of the year. So this isn't the website, the Blacklist, um, I, I don't think. This is the actual Blacklist that kind of goes around kind of this, un, uh, this weird list of scripts that kind of go around yeah. Hollywood. 
um, as like hell here here's some scripts that like need to be produced sort of totally and some of them get made and this is one of them which is uh, generally all those scripts are available to public to the public to read oh, wow. too and they're all like the best of the best yeah you know? uh, for sure all right uh, so if you have any questions topic suggestions opinions or if you have any fact corrections send an email to btvfilmspodcast at gmail.com we're always trying to learn new things, so we'd love to hear from you. You can also visit our Facebook page to comment on or discuss this week's episode or any past episodes, all of which can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and at SoundCloud.com slash Films. If you like the show, please rate it because it helps move us up on the lists. Our intro and outro music was composed by Curtis Skinner, who can be found at SkinnyProducing.com. Uh, and if you, uh, you know, if you like the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle and friends, you know, the TV show, you could check out Skinny, who's in the sequel, the adventures of Rocky and Skinny Winkle and friends. What? <laughs> I like wasn't even relevant to the movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying new things. <laughs> Stick to your old things. <laughs> Rocky uh, and Bullwinkle. That was so out of left field, dang. Um, I mean, great show, but... <laughs> but wow. Um, well, so... I haven't seen Rocky and Skinny Winkle yet. I'm not sure if that's good. <laughs> so, we're going to shift our release schedule a tiny bit for the next episode just because of when The Last Jedi comes out, which is next Friday, when generally we record on Thursdays. So, we're going to record... We, we might be able to hit the the Tuesday. We might be able like, to hit the Tuesday release. we're recording Tuesday in the morning, so we might be able to just might hammer it out. To. So we might be yeah. able to, otherwise we'll release it you know, the next On Wednesday. Day so. Yeah. Um, but it'll be Looper and The Last Jedi, which is, will be an interesting little sci-fi pairing. Um, yeah. And, yeah, we'll round out our Ryan Johnson masterclass, because he only has four films. Um, yeah. You know, so. I'm really curious, like, if we're going to get, like, because with this movie it felt like, Brick was very, like, Ryan Johnson, very deliberate, but Bloom didn't feel that way. I wonder if we're going to feel the same thing with Star Wars and Looper, because I definitely feel like Looper is Ryan Johnson, like, is, is like his baby. But maybe Star Wars might not be. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we're going to get some parallels. I don't know. He was parallels. able to write Star Wars all by himself, so, I mean. I feel like this Well, he Star- did that with all of his movies. I know, but I'm saying, like, the fact that he was allowed to write Star Wars solo is pretty big. I'm know? super curious because, I mean, J.J. <gasps> Abrams is all over Force Awakens, so I am... I he's going to be all over Episode Nine, apparently. But see, I, but the thing is, is the potentially what uh, Empire... Like, I'm hoping this is the Empire Strikes Back for the new series. Oh, yeah. But not I think a it's rehash going to be. of it. Not like, a rehash of it, though. But not no, no just but like, like, but like like tonally, but yeah, tonally, like the like Temple how, of Doom. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be darker yeah. than that. Even it's it really be pretty dark. It looks oh, pretty. One dark. last thing, um, and we might add this as film news on the on Facebook too. But just to say, apparently Tarantino's version of Star Trek will be rated R. I wonder if this is actually happening. Apparently, it is. Apparently they're lining up writers and people to script this, and they're going to do a rated R version. It's crazy because Whoa. as his tenth film, like the scene. No, no, so... he's not going to do it. Oh, okay. I don't. Okay. He's just. Well, he might. It. Okay. Okay. I can't imagine him rounding I out just, his filmography I with it. Yeah. I think he is going to get a like create uh, and film. It's not created by. It's a. Uh, 
He's going to get some right, sort right, of credit right, besides right, directing. Right, right, right. It's like he he it was his sto- story. It's by. his story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which <clears throat> it, he could s- get screenplay if there's enough of his screenplay in there too. Maybe I think he came up with the idea and then they're having people write it. But I, like I, I could see him doing this even after his tenth. Totally. Film, yeah. You know where he's. I don't think he's going to retire from the biz. Like if he, even, no if he's not directing, he's going to be. He's going to be probably writing scripts or something. He's, you know, I don't know. He's, he's going to make retire. more than 10 movies. He will. Yeah. He's not going to be done at 10. He's just saying that. He better. I think he, he is. better. I, I think he's He not. says so much shit all the time. Like, there's no way in hell that he's going to be done. Wait, guys, he's, guys, guys. He's, can you smell that? It's a Kahuna burger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can smell the shit Tarantino flings. <laughs> I should have just said what? What? Yeah. Say what again? Yeah. Say what again? Um, so, you know, keep your eyes out for that news if you're interested in Tarantino news and, and what he's doing. And then his Manson project, which apparently is going to be released on the anniversary of that. God. Uh, that, right, so, right. So just. Interesting guy. I hate, I hate that. I, I, I don't like it. Well, join the Facebook page. <laughs> go to the Facebook page and let's talk because I'd be curious to see whether is this in bad taste or I is it? It's I, totally in bad taste. But, but let's hear some. I want to hear wait, some opinions. Okay, at the same time, you I mean, just heard I, mine. I see why Fuck your opinion. I see why. It, I see. I see why it could be in bad taste. However, this is now beyond bad taste. I mean, like, like in the sense of the murder of Sharon Tate and, and the others. Uh, have become beyond any other murder. I mean, they, they like when you think of murder, you think of them almost. You know what I mean? Like they well, because because they, the, they're celebrities and they were like brutally mo- murdered by like a cult. Yeah, but like when you when you know when the fir- you know when you're a little kid and it, when you think of, when you you know Manson is one of the first people that you know when you're a kid when you hear about killers or murderers. Oh yeah, yeah. So Marilyn like, Manson, Ted Bundy, Charles, 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 Charles. I'm sorry, Charles Manson. My bad. I just did the thing that everyone did on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Damn it! <laughs> I'm part of the problem. But um, uh, but I feel like I feel uh, I feel like it's a it's those murders. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I don't know. Um, it's 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 more it's more like. It, it's not so much in bad taste anymore because they're, it's a part of culture now. They, they, they are... There's been enough time. Yeah, where if yeah, it was but like, like... If there was like a movie about like an infamous like sexual assault case and it came out, you know, the anniversary of the Harvey Weinstein shit, then that would be like in bad taste. You know what I mean? Like... Because, because of the time. Is that what you're the, saying? Because of the timing, yeah. Well, this has yeah. been, you know, well, it's 40-some-odd years later. It's been a while. I know. Yeah. It's just it's just weird. Well, I think it's the 50th anniversary of it. it just, it's just weird that we... They want... It just feels like we're celebrating a murderer. But, and but, I just don't like that. But we've I just done don't that. want to... I just don't want to do that. But we've, like, already, just, we've already done that as a society. You know, well, and I, think, I, under, I understand and, that, and honestly, but I maybe, I think that 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 we shouldn't. Maybe maybe that's, at all. Maybe that's what the movie's about. <laughs> well, I hope I hope so. But like, I don't know. It just feels so tasteless to to do, like why like it's like to putting like a, a movie on a specific day is is supposed to be like a strategy f- to create the most box office. So by doing this, we're celebrating. 
just what are you guys doing? <laughs> just, I can just hear you guys doing something, something over there. Uh, I get it. Totally yeah, you think we're celebrating me. things when it's we totally should be celebrating me. it. Yeah, I get it. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, so like, and it just feels so weird, and and it. I feel like it was Sony's idea, like, because Sony is the joke show studio, you know. Like fuck Sony. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind Sony. Xbox fanboy over here. Yeah. Um, anyway. Well, I, actually, I have a PlayStation, but uh, the movie studio, not a for not sure. A fan, yeah, I'm I get you. I get of, you. Yeah. Um, all right. So I want it'd be interesting to continue this talk. Let's continue it on the Facebook page. If you have any opinions towards that idea, yeah, um, hit us up about Tarantino and Manson. Absolutely, because I know Byron will talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. It's true. It's true. It is um, very true. Anyway, so Looper and the Last Jedi. I know Last Jedi is going to be a pain to see, uh, just because I know it's going to be packed. But try to see it for the next episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Are you guys going to see the last skinny? <laughs> the last yeah. skinny. It's pretty yeah. Uh, Not as good as the last Jedi. And now I'm hanging up the phone call. <laughs> <laughs> no. Come back. Come back.